Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church online worship service. Today you'll hear the Word of God read, the message from this weekend's in-person service, and two songs to guide you in worship. Thanks for joining us today. We are currently in between sermon series here at Stonebridge, which means I had the opportunity to pick the topic of today's sermon. And that sometimes can be a little bit stressful. However, I've had something on my heart I wanted to share with this congregation. And I felt like this weekend was the perfect moment to talk about lament, a passionate expression of sorrow so many of us know well. So before I get into it, let's all pray together. Holy God, as we come to meditate on what it means to lament, God, help us to know that you are present in our sorrow. Help us to know that you are present in this very room and present with us always. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you this morning. Amen. Lament has been on my mind because from September of last year through May of this year, I've, I have spent, or I did spend, two days a week at UCLA Santa Monica Hospital visiting with patients as a hospital chaplain. I did this as part of my training for ordination in the Presbyterian Church. And I chose the hospital setting because I've been told by many others who did their training in the hospital that it was life-changing. Life-changing not because it gives you the best skills ever and makes you the best pastor ever, but because of the space that you constantly walk into whenever a hospital room is entered. A space of sorrow and loss with folks looking for healing. No one is in a hospital room because everything is going well. It's often a place of heartache, anxiety, and unknowns. Of course, the hope is it becomes a place of healing, but that is never a given. And as a chaplain, you enter into the patient room knowing it's holy ground, knowing that you are about to enter into a conversation that reaches into the depths of human life full of tears and memories. It was incredibly frightening uh, experience at first, but I soon learned the rhythm of chaplaincy, and as I became more comfortable, I quickly discovered the role of a chaplain is not to come in and fix anything. That's actually the hardest lesson about chaplaincy. As chaplains, we have no medical training that can bring, a, and that can bring a sense of powerlessness when seeing patients who are clearly going through it. And it feels especially hard when it seems like doctors and nurses are constantly pulling off miracles. But the role of a chaplain I found was much different, and it did contribute to healing, just not in the ways that was immediately apparent like it was from medical staff. Instead of fixing emotional and spiritual problems a patient was going through, what was possible was to sit there in the pain and help patients lament. Blake Arnold, my supervisor, explained to my cohort that the role of the chaplain is to give voice to the pain deep inside, to go places that some patients had never gone before, to lament, either because they were scared or didn't know how to talk about regrets, lost relationships and loves, loss of time and ability. And when I was able to enter into those conversations and spaces, the feeling was astonishing. 
Before being a hospital chaplain, I never fully understood how important it was for people to express all that was inside of them. Nor did I understand that so few of us actually are able to express these things because we either don't have the time or energy to properly process all that we're going through. Of course, not everyone wanted to talk to a chaplain and not every conversation was heavy. But when we entered into the depths together as chaplain and patient, I could tell that something deeply spiritual was happening. It was incredible to see the emotion that was expressed, the stories people would tell, the way someone's heart and soul would pour out when they were finally, finally given the space to be heard and seen without judgment and guilt. And I saw in these moments that a level of healing would take place. Not a cure-all to everything that someone was going through, but a healing that came from the lament, that came from sharing their story honestly, seeing it laid out all before them, held in loving conversation by a chaplain. The sorrow and pain felt in a hospital room is acute compared to the world outside of the hospital, but sorrow and pain remains ever-present in the world and our lives. We know it well in our lives, and we see it all over the world. We are a world that yearns for healing and is in need of a love lament. To give voice to this loss, pain, and sorrow we experience. All of us have gone through something, many things, in our lives. And we are in, in need of lament for it. Perhaps most evident is the loss we have experienced throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. It's fair to say that it was a collective trauma. I see comments all the time about the way it feels like we just skipped across time from March 2020 to right now in this very moment. The feeling of losing three years is difficult to comprehend at times. In this time, we have lost relationships, lost jobs and opportunities, and of course, the loss of life as so many people have died from this pandemic. But it's not just the pandemic that causes pain and sorrow in life. Daily occurrences in our life or around the world reveal the suffering in our midst. And it's overwhelming. I honestly do not believe any of us could comprehend all that is happening. I just don't think we'd be able to get out of bed. So we ignore it. And it's not just the world's suffering that we ignore. We ignore our own suffering too. We convince ourselves that we have to move forward without addressing that swirling energy inside of us because who has the time to do that? I've had conversations where folks say they cannot afford to lament and give voice to what they are feeling because they have to go to work or keep moving on, and the time that it would take to process all that is happening would take days, weeks even. Sometimes I've talked to people feeling guilty about their pain, as if they shouldn't have emotions or be real about what they are going through. But there are consequences to holding in our lament. We isolate ourselves from others, not leaning on our community, friends, and family for help when we need it. And this can turn us bitter and resentful. We become angry more quickly. We lash out, releasing our pain in unhealthy ways. There is a need for lament because all of these emotions when locked inside of us become detrimental to our spiritual lives. 
When we are unable to give voice to our pain, we suffer silently, and when we ignore it, the pain only festers and grows within us. A violence stirring inside of us, raging against our souls and minds. My time spent as a chaplain has shown me the power of lament and why it should be a part of our spiritual lives as a discipline we engage in. Lament offers us a form, a tool, to give voice to that experience of pain in our lives. And when we lament, we move ever so slightly out of that pain. And together with one another and God, move forward towards hope and healing. And lament, it's an important part of the Christian tradition. It's all over the Bible. In fact, did you know that there's a whole book of the Bible called Lamentations? So for our scripture passage today, I want to look at one such example of how someone wrote a response to their pain, a cry to God to be heard. So we're going to look at Psalm 42 quickly and together as an example of lament. I then want to walk through what I think are some of the core elements of lament in hopes of understanding how we might incorporate lament into our own lives and consider why it should be something we prioritize as a spiritual discipline, something to make space for in a world that will not afford us the space to lament. So please listen for the word of the Lord this morning as I read Psalm 42. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me continually, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I went with the throng and led them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the thunder of your torrents. All your waves and your billows have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I walk about mournfully because the enemy oppresses me? As with a deadly wound in my body, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me continually, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. The psalm gets to the heart of lament. It gets to that place of deep sorrow. When we look at Psalm 42, we can see how lament takes shape. The general theme of this particular lament is one of distance from God. The pain the psalmist is feeling is the loss of God's presence in their lives. As it starts with longing for God's presence, it walks us through the times the psalmist remembered feeling close to God, 
feeling joy when in the temple. It was there they could sing and smile, but now those are just memories. They express this perceived distance from God through images such as geography and the crushing power of water and raise the haunting question, has God forgotten them? All while others mock them, questioning whether God is really there for them or not. But we see the refrain of hope in the psalm, and it ends still with a movement towards hope, remembering that God has rescued them before and hope that God will do so again. They remain resolute in this hope. They keep this faith. I think intuitively we know lament for ourselves, and we can empathize when we see it in this psalm. And I think it's helpful to shine a light on some of the core elements of lament. And by doing so, gain an understanding of why lament should be a rich part of our spiritual lives and how it can bring us towards hope and healing. When looking at Psalm 42, we can see that at its root, it's an honest expression of pain. Lament functions primarily as a communication of that which is deeply within us, but it must be honest. What I mean by honest is we have to get to whatever our pain is, the heart of whatever our pain is. I love the phrase, the thing is never the thing. It's a catchy phrase that reflects how often when someone is upset about something, say something pretty minor, that the minor thing is not really what they're upset about but there is something deeper that they're holding on to below the surface. This came up often in the hospital. I would hear about inconveniences that affected patients frequently. The nurses are too slow. Their phone isn't connecting to Wi-Fi or the EKG machine is beeping too much. And as a chaplain, I I sat there without judgment, taking all this information in and then tried to ask the question that gets to the heart of the issue that brings a level of honesty that is needed because they are expressing their frustrations, but it's not an honest expression of the pain they are truly feeling. After a couple questions asking for inner reflection, we find that the problem isn't the nurses. It's that their kids haven't come to visit and they're feeling lonely and isolated. It's not that the phone is the problem. It's that the doctors are still testing to figure out what's wrong. And the unknown is terrifying. It's not that the machine is beeping. It's that they're finally thinking about death and the anxiety that can bring. Honesty is what differentiates complaint from lament. We can complain about the inconveniences, but the thing is never the thing. Lament gets to the honest truth of it all. What are we really afraid of? What are we really feeling? And that is exactly what we see in the psalm, the honesty of feeling abandoned by God, a feeling I am sure some of us have felt in our lives. If we are to lament, to express this pain we feel deep down, we have to be honest about what that pain really is. As we go through the psalm, there's another part of lament that stands out, which is its ability to help clarify our situation by creating space for our pain. Lament helps us process our inner emotions. Like I said earlier, many of us do not feel we are afforded the time and space in life to lament and process what we are going through. In the psalm, we see the psalmist clearly uh, uh, clarify, the psalmist clarifies these feelings of abandonment and distance from God by equating it 
to the feeling of geographical distance or by detailing how they once felt God's presence in the temple, but now they do not feel God in their life. It brings out from within, from within them the reality of what they are feeling. Lament by giving voice to that pain we are feeling within ourselves reveals that inner turmoil and lays it bare in front of us. We get to see what we, what we have been holding in. This is partly why honesty is required. We see our situation for what it is. Sometimes when we lament, we realize we've been holding on to something for years that we thought we left behind. Sometimes we realize the problems we are facing are much smaller than what we first made them out to be. And sometimes when we clarify the situation, we get a sobering look at what we are really facing, coming to terms with reality for with the reality of all that we face in our sorrow. Lament by helping us voice our pain helps us to process our life in a healthy way and take account of our situation holistically. Lament gives us the space to see all that is going on in our life, a space that we are not always able to enter into. And this can have the effect, in addition to seeing what is difficult in our lives, what blessings we have too. We can take account of all that we have in our lives, and we can say we can see that what is brings us joy, or to realize the love that we share with others, or as the psalmist does, remember that God cares for us. Through lament, we are able to create space for ourselves to clarify our situation by taking stock of the pain we have and also the blessings that surround us. The final part of lament I want to bring our attention to, and perhaps the most crucial, is that lament requires vulnerability, and as a result, it creates connection. I do not think we can properly lament without being vulnerable to someone else. Lament is a communal act in this way. We bring what we are going through to others and ask if they can hold our pain for just a little bit. If they can create some space for us to process what we are going through. And when we are vulnerable, when we can trust someone else with our story and sorrow, we are able to create connections with one another. When you trust me with your lament, I can honor who you are. I can witness your your dignity, your story and pain and empathize with you. I may not fully understand, but I know what it's like to be in the depths. And so we connect. A bond of trust is built, and we no longer feel alone in the struggle. One of my favorite TV shows right now illustrates this beautifully. I love the show The Bear. Sarah's heard me talk nonstop about it the past few weeks. It's a show about a restaurant, and it's amazing. And part of why it's so amazing is its honesty about the ways that we love each other and reject love from one another. And the main character, Carmi, is holding on to a lot in the first season. The show begins with him inheriting a restaurant from his brother who had just died. And as the show continues, we find out that his brother was an addict. And as the stress of running a restaurant, the grief of losing his brother, the isolation of feeling wayward and disconnected in his pain, his sister reaches out and says he should check out this group called Al-Anon. It's a group that meets for family members of addicts. 
And at first, he is reluctant to go, but eventually he begins to experience some healing when he hears about people being vulnerable and share their, hears other people be vulnerable and share their story. And then he finds the courage to be vulnerable and share his sorrow with the group. He laments. When he does this, he opens himself up from isolation and reconnects back into the world. He creates connections with the Al-Anon group and realizes he has been holding on to so much. His vulnerability allows for connection. After he trusts them, he is able to share his lament and they hold him. They honor him. They empathize with him. His lament does not go unheard. A form of solidarity is created through this connection, and this allows Carmi to start healing and build relationships elsewhere in his life. So our lament must be vulnerable. It is something we must share, and when we do so, we invite others into our lives to hold us, but we also invite God into the situation. This is one of the beautiful parts of Psalm 42. This psalm would have been sung aloud as a prayer to God for the hope of being rescued and feeling God's love and protection again. In being vulnerable to God, we help ourselves feel God's constant presence more fully. Lament invites connection, invites us to recognize that we are not alone, that God is with us and our community is with us. When we engage in honest expression, space and clarification, vulnerability and connection, we lament. And when prioritized as a spiritual discipline, lament helps us grow, helps us move towards healing and hope. A quote that I think encapsulates lament's purpose in our spiritual life comes from theologian and biblical scholar Walter Brueggemann. In an interview about lament, Brueggemann says that pain brought to speech turns to energy. Pain not brought to speech turns to violence. By energy, I think Brueggemann is expressing the way that lament has the power to bring healing into our lives by inviting God and others into that pain. When we name our pain, Brueggemann says we reauthorize it. We begin to own our pain instead of our pain owning us. This helps us, this helps us not let pain control our lives, not let it define our life in any given moment. Instead, we find ways to say, yes, I am in pain, but that's not all there is. And this comes from the way lament creates paths of connection with God and others. As I said, vulnerability and honesty is key. We give voice to our pain and we allow others to help us. We find solidarity with others, people who are going through the same thing or similar sets of problems. Or even we may hear someone else's lament and realize we have the ability to help. This is how pain turns to energy. And we can do this and trust that God hears us. In the Bible, some of my favorite stories are the ones when God hears us. I think of Genesis, when Hagar is unjustly sent away and God hears her tears. Or I think of Exodus, when God hears the cries of the oppression of the Israelites, or in Acts, when God hears the prayers and hymns of Paul and Silas while they are in jail. We can trust that in our lament, God hears us and is present with us, guiding us as we lament. 
we invite God into our lives when we lament, to give us awareness and direction of where we can take a step. God functions in lament by bringing our awareness to what God is doing in our very midst, by working through us to provide care for each other, by providing the abilities to help one another when we share what is happening in our lives. In lament, we remember that God hears us and we seek out the way God is calling us through our pain. Remembering we are not alone in this grief, but God is there with us, even when we feel abandoned like the psalmist. And lament has purpose because of what happens when we are not able to give voice to our pain. As Brueggemann says, it turns to violence. When we have pain inside of us and we do not express it, it rages inside of us, causing us harm. When we are unable to share with others and to God, we become isolated. And in our separation, feel more lost and overwhelmed as we face the world on our own. If we do not lament, we risk becoming bitter. We hold on to things harder. They become stickier inside of us, affecting everything in our lives. We may lash out at others, become angry when we do not mean to because we are unable to cope. And without lament, we risk feeling stuck in the sorrow, feeling like tomorrow will be just as hard as today with no movement towards hope. Lament is crucial to our spiritual lives because it allows us to bring to the surface our sorrow and pain, and by doing so, invite God and others into our lives to help us transform our pain and take a step forward out of the pit of despair and into a life of hope and healing. Because that is what lament offers as a way of healing. It offers a step forward. As I said, the hardest lesson I had to learn from being a chaplain was that I wasn't able to fix anything. And similarly, lament is not a cure-all to the problems we face. It's not meant to be. That would ultimately be dishonest. Lament doesn't try to sweep away our pain under the rug. It recognizes it, honors that feeling of loss as real, and instead of minimizing it, lament helps us to realize we are not alone in it. The healing lament can provide is a step forward, not alone, but with others and God invited into the situation. Lament rejects the notion that we have to soldier on alone and helps us see that there is hope, that right now is just right now, and that we can own our pain in such a way that it turns to energy so that we can move forward move in solidarity with one another and become aware of what God is doing in our midst through love and grace. That hope is the reason why we should prioritize lament as an act of faith in our lives today. Amen. To soften my heart
for me.